Welcome to Unapologetically Bold, I'm Not Sorry For. If you are a person that is tired of apologizing for being you, you know, the human part of you that sometimes feels like it has to be different at home versus work versus play, the human side that just wants to be hot, humble, open, and transparent about your wants, desires, and uniqueness. If you answered yes, this podcast is for you. Join me, Emily Elrod, as I dive into conversations with amazing guests about what they are not sorry for in creative and loving ways. Let's get started. I'm blessed today to have John with me. Thank you so much for joining me, John. Great to be here. Thank you. Uh, You're such an awesome human, and I'm so excited for the audience to get to learn from you, especially what you're not sorry for. But before we get into that, I do want to ask everybody to do that thing. It's called like, subscribe, and share as we continue to bring positivity and some information that is usually not talked about to your newsfeed. So with that, let's get into it. John, tell us about yourself. So I uh, just got out of the Navy about five plus months ago or so. Uh, was in for 11 years, born and raised in uh, Virginia Beach, although before that, military family all over the place. Um, I have a uh, three-year-old daughter, German Shepherd, who you didn't get to see earlier when we were backstage, but uh, he busted in the room. <laughs> and uh, I facilitate. Um, so off-sites, retreats, team building, strategic planning sessions, kind of Anything that gets a group of people together to solve something or communicate and collaborate more effectively. I mean, that's that's literally my my occupation. Uh, I did it for the Navy for the last four years, which is uh, a little very much untraditional for being a surface warfare officer. So ship driver um, prior to facilitation, you know, fell into it and then uh, doing that now. That's awesome. And currently right now you're a... Um in a storm as well. So we are going to give the preface, if this goes off, um, it's only because his power went off. Yeah, if I leave, it is, uh, it has nothing to do with you whatsoever. And let's get into it. What are you not sorry for? I am not sorry for not taking people's advice. I, uh, you know, not all the time, but I always felt like this, guilt in, you know, you need to read this or you need to do that. And you, uh, you should absolutely go work for this, you know, type of person and do this type of thing. And I, I would put those things on my like to do list. And I guess, I mean, within the last year or so, just kind of really came out of that and realized that um, everything like that is personality driven. And it's, it's hard to ask somebody for directions to a place they've never been before. So me taking advice from somebody who's never been where I feel like I want to go is, I feel like I'm going to get lost based on their directions instead of learning on my own as I go. And I love that. The point too that I hear, and because I know you, is that you're still what we call a hot human, which is humble, open, and transparent. And it's not for the fact that you don't want people's advice, but it's it's the part of getting to learn it your own way, but also using drivers. So what would you say are like driving forces that make you decide like, hey, I might need to do that or I might not. Like I might take your advice. I might not. Yeah. Uh, well, I think everything comes through a lens. So there's pieces of advice that you get that 
are genuinely good that I might pass on to someone else that's in more of a cookie cutter role uh, type of thing. Um, but I feel like just like anything else, whether it's politics or religion or whatever it is, like you can pick the things that you want to dive into and you can stay away from the things that you don't. And I think advice is no different. So they might have a couple of good points here and there. You can take it with a grain of salt uh, and then kind of move out with it. My driver to me is if I'm listening to it and I can see myself rolling it from one day to the next on a to-do list, I'm like, okay, that advice is not for me. I, I'm not doing it for myself. I'm doing it for them. And I should probably not, you know, put too much effort into that in my, in my opinion. What got you to here? Well, a series of uh, advice that I either took or didn't take. I think, uh, I think of accident, to be honest with you, right place, right time, or you could say wrong place, right time, whatever it is. Um, I just fell into this facilitation thing. Uh, so I, I was, I, I went into a room that I was supposed to be the note taker for, this is how it all pretty much started. Um, I was supposed to be the note taker. I was the most junior person in the room. There were 10 captains, so uh, 06 level Navy captains. And a couple of them didn't like me and they were like, they came up to me and they were like, John, uh, no talk. You know, they know I'm a talking, talkative guy and they're like, no talking, like, hey, this is, you know, we're, we're going to follow this agenda. We're here for two hours and, you know, take notes. And then there were, you know, more people that liked me that didn't. And I'm sitting there. And after the first hour on this agenda, we've got like these four or five items that we're supposed to hit or they are, and um, we're at hour one and still not even remotely close to topic one. And I, I kind of just went, huh. And one of them was like, what? And I was like, this is terrible. <laughs> they were like, excuse me? And I was like, this is abysmal. Like, I don't understand what's going on here. And they were like, oh, you think you could do better? And I was like, I know I can do better. And they were like, okay. Smart Alex, go do it. And uh, for the last hour, I took all of these different tips, tricks, tools that I had gained over, you know, over time for attempting to build my resume to transition from the military and finished the agenda essentially. And you know, from there, they asked me to come back, and those people went to other commands and asked me to come back, and that's kind of how it happened. So pure accident, long-winded uh, answer to your question, but definitely by accident. I love that though, because how many people have actually had that experience or the confidence to be able to, to say that? <laughs> but I think one thing that I talk about is self-awareness. In that, you would have to have a lot of self-awareness to know who you are. So point to that for a minute. What is, and I guess that's the whole point of it too, is that you have self-awareness to know what advice to take and what not, like how it will resonate with you. So how do you use that to build up, to do the things that you do? Well, okay. So I, I think this, I hope this makes sense. This makes sense in my brain. So if it doesn't make sense to you, you should let me know. Um, so I'm a, I'm a big DIY guy and I found out in, in anything that you do for DIY, whether it's building a deck or whatnot, it is almost identical. To, so this is a, an analogy within an analogy. So like, follow me here. In order to deep fry a turkey, you, you watch like three videos on how to set your house on fire, right? <laughs> and you can make the worst turkey ever. And then you watch three videos on like 
what to do. And then you, you're like, okay, well, I'm not going to do that temperature. I'm going to do this one. I'm not going to do this duration. I'm going to do that one. Um, and for DIY, it's the same. You find something that is trustworthy. You, you follow through with what not to do, what to do, and you kind of pick your own path. I feel the same way about all, all this other stuff. It's like, I want to know the mistakes that other people have made. I want to know what they regret. I want to know what they're excited about and, and why they feel like they made it down the path that they did. So that if I do run into those one-offs, I'm like, oh, I, yeah, I do remember this person told me this. You know, I should be wary of this type of thing. Um, but it's kind of like calculated risks. It's like, I'm going to take this and I know the worst case scenario is it's just not going to work. I know I'm on a live version with you in the middle of a storm. Worst case scenario you have to talk to uh, yourself for another 20 minutes, you know, like it's all just calculated, you know, risk and the personality aspect that comes out of it is uh, I'm okay with the failures. I mean, there's almost nothing in my line of work that could hurt you in any way. Uh, everything is built on small incremental improvements and iterations from the last time you've done one thing or another. And um, I guess that's one thing that I that I teach with uh, facilitation is to try to do maybe 10 to 20 percent of something completely new that you've never tried before. Um, but limit it, because if you fail at that little portion, the 80 percent of everything else you've done has carried the weight and everybody's still excited to be there. The outcomes are still good. And you find out very quickly that, that the new stuff that you insert is not good or good. And then you use it in the future. I love that because it makes me think of my team that I've been talking with lately. It's like, and I feel like anybody listening to this might can resonate that it's constant pivoting. I feel like I've been doing lately. So I just told them like, embrace the fail. Like right now we don't like, we have had the time and we're, we've had, um, it's a learning. It's all uh, like, this is a season of just figuring it out because everybody's so stressed out and just take off that pressure. But too many times people think failure is something that can get in with their, um, they identify with it and it can hold on to them. So I really like how you talk about doing it small. Um, how have you done that in your life? Uh, well, to be honest with you, I think there is, uh, I I'm working on it. I mean, yeah. Like else and and i think what's going on in the world right now and covid and whatnot has actually helped me to reflect on that a lot more than uh before so my answer for right now might be a little different had you asked me you know five or six months ago but um i'm trying to take all of the things that are not either benefiting my company myself or my family in one way shape or form and realizing that you got to put on your own oxygen mask before helping others. I mean, you've heard that a thousand times, but um, in the Navy, it always goes ship, shipmate, self. I mean, that's what you say, ship, shipmate, self. So we're going to care about the ship, uh, the integrity of it, you know, the culture of it, et cetera. Shipmate, uh, helping other people before helping yourself, and then you're the last. And when you do, I mean, there are people out there that have done 20, 30 years, so I am by no means comparing what 11 years to their, uh, their time, but in that time frame, you see that you are always last. And and if you're last at work and you come home and you try to help your family out, you're always missing out on um, being able to give the, the most of yourself because you're always kind of trying to fill up your own pitcher before pouring it out, right? So mm -hmm. um, 
Yeah, I think the thing that I'm working on right now, this is not answering your question, but uh, whatever. <laughs> the thing that I'm working on right now is boundaries, big time. Um, take, I used to take calls really late. I used to text back really late. If I got an email, um, you know, six, seven that night, I'd be like, I got to answer it. I got to get back to them. And it's like, no, they sent me an email at seven o'clock at night. I'm, I'm going to get back to you tomorrow. You know, mm -hmm. there's, there's no need to, to prioritize this over dinner or hanging out with my family, that type of thing. So the more I do that, the more I realize that people expect you to wait until tomorrow. Like, do you ever send an email at seven o'clock at night and expect somebody to reply to you? Like, Mm -hmm. You expect them to reply to you by the end of the week, mm -hmm. not within an hour. So that's that's kind of uh, and it's made a big difference for me anyway so far. So um, and that's yeah. something I've said with people is that prioritizing, especially if you own a business. Um, what I found is start with your family first. <laughs> you know because for you, you need to have a consistent core. And yep. if you don't have that and then you go out and you face these problems and then you come back and you don't have anybody in essence sometimes to offload to, if you don't have a counselor <laughs> or a family member. For sure. Um, but the thing is, reads every, almost every post that I put out is read by her before I put it out. Am I, do I sound really dumb here? Or no, 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 no. <laughs> and, and I'm like, did I spell anything wrong? Did I do this? Did I do that? And and it's like if she reads it and has to go, ooh, what are you trying to say here? I'm like, oh, okay. Well, if you're thinking that, everyone else is going to. So um, she probably doesn't love having me in the house all day asking her to read my stuff over and over again. But to your point, definitely the family first, the backstop for everything, for sure. And I wonder, too, I'm married to my total opposite. And so I have to get his opinion because it is not mine ever half the time. And so like, I did something, uh, some new marketing thing. And I said, I'm like, is this dumb? Yeah. And, but it's the thing. It's like, you want to do things your own way because that's your process. You know that you can trust your wife because you know her strengths. So whenever you do things your own way, it, how do you say that it affects our let me rearrange this. When you do things your own way, is it just selfish or is it team centered? Um, you mean like not taking other people's advice and kind of going yeah, but, on my but, own? Yeah, um, but I, don't you still have a team that you still use in essence? Yeah, I mean, I always so you know I've heard people say like that you have your own like Jedi Council, you have your own uh, mentors that help you for one thing or another. Um, I think. I think my answer to this would have been, again, would have been a little different, would have been, yeah, I'm going to go towards what the team, the collective team thinks, you know, for them, for myself, for the company, et cetera. And now I'm realizing that the more I'm actually myself, the better I am at being myself, uh, you know, and, and I can, I do my job better, um, the conversations are you know, have a bigger impact, the the work that I do with, with teams is, you know, all of those things. Um, like, I don't know about you, but if if you give me a script to follow and you say, follow this script, this is everything you got to do, this is everything you got to say, I will fail miserably because that's just not the way my brain works. My brain is all over the place. I, 
I hear what I'm saying at the same time that you hear what I'm saying. And um, I, I act and react based on reactions, which mm -hmm. is one of the reasons why shifting to a virtual environment to do offsites and retreats was challenging because if people don't have their camera on, I can't act and react. And I'm just laughing at my own jokes over here. And it's like, this guy over here, just, he's not funny. He's laughing at himself. Like, it doesn't make any sense. But um, I, I'd say it's more personal now, for sure. And with that, too, I think that's something that a lot of people are focusing in on. And I did a post on it uh, yesterday on it, is that it is, the versus is no longer. So it's no longer home versus work or it now is, I say, embrace the and, home and work, because you're human no matter where you're at. And so giving you the freedom to be able to choose, and it makes me think of what we use for a lot of our stuff is um, self-determination theory, which is Desi and Ryan came up with it, but it's competency, autonomy, relatedness. So give me the information that you want me to talk about, but let me have the freedom to do it and let it be re relatable to me. And that's just, I hear that in your voice, like, but how much it, it increases engagement and it increases the ability to learn and grow and be innovative instead of being like a stress structure. For so sure. for you, especially coming from a military background into the corporate world, how much has that affected you wanting to do things your way? I mean, a hundred percent. So, I mean, I didn't lead with this, uh, but I, so going into the Navy, I was a nuclear surface warfare officer. So you go to nuclear power school and learn more physics and calculus and thermodynamics than I, I, I almost want to throw up right now, just reflecting on it, right? Um, that is very much by the book. You have to do things a certain way. It is the safety of people's lives and equipment at stake, right? Um, so I'm literally doing the polar opposite of what that is. Right. So to answer your question, I think because it was all kind of pent up over over time, it was like, OK, I've been to hundreds, thousands of trainings before where I'm like, there's a better way than this. Mm -hmm. Like, You don't need to sit through eight hours and give me 45 minutes of this like golden nugget thing and waste my time for the whole day when you can just tell me the things that I need to know uh, and be a little bit more dynamic and fluid. And I think the biggest thing is humor. You know, like, I like to have fun while I'm doing my thing. I like for people around me to be having fun. I think you're a lot more creative when that happens. I think that you get along with people a lot better when that happens. So when you have a strategic conversation, you're treating people with empathy. You're like, okay, I see where he or she's coming from. They mean well. So why do we have this disconnect as opposed to this static, boring, you know, type of type of flow so yeah the navy i think definitely in a very weird way shaped it into uh into this i've always been creative uh in that sense like i like to solve problems and it's not necessarily that i do that for companies i like to get them to solve their own problems i rarely do anything on my own except for create the environment but like if i'm building something for my daughter outside and the thought is in my head at night I might stay up until two or three in the morning just thinking about how I could build the rock wall a little bit better, you know? <laughs> My, it never turns off. And this is what I love about you is that I feel like you speak me and you speak my language because 
it, there are people, I say this like us, that just the brain just does not shut off sometimes. Yeah. And it's constantly going and how to control it. And that's what actually started a lot of my self-awareness journey. And because especially people I cared about, I was like, oh, I have to take their their advice. I'm like, it didn't feel right, but it's like they said it, and you know, and they, they got all these accolades and they've done all these things. So I have to do it that way. Yep. Only to realize if I listen better to myself. And I think the other thing that it stems in from a thing that I did with Kevin Monroe, and it, he has a thing called the Extraordinary Life. And for that, what we talked about, the, the Extraordinary You. And so what we do is ordinary to us, but for other people, it looks extra. And we just do it daily and daily. And it's, it's in essence, our gift that we have. So when did you discover that it was your extra? Um, yeah, okay. So uh, I got in trouble um, <laughs> probably in like 2013. Uh, and it wasn't a big thing, but the person that uh, it was on my ship, um, person that uh, punished me, made me give training to about 350 people or so on the most boring topic ever and i in spite uh which so again probably not for the right reason i probably shouldn't admit this but in for, in spite i put an amazing amount of time and effort into making it the most fun training you could have like if you're going to make me do this i'm going to do it so well that you're going to be like oh my gosh this boy <laughs> he actually had fun doing this this you know i need to punish him for something else right um, and I ended up doing the training with like four of them, you know, in order to get that number of people through on a ship, four or five of those trainings. And the amount of people that came up to me and the feedback that I got, including from the person that gave me uh, the punishment in the first place, um, was all like, that was fun, engaging. Um, I actually learned something like I've been in the Navy for 20 years and you taught me something about this topic that I, you know, probably always tuned out. I think in that point in time, I realized that I had a little extra. Um, and maybe it's just like you said, the, we just think differently. Um, like, how can I, how can I actually get more out of this thing? Like, if it's always been done this way, how can I, how can I do it a little differently and add my own spin on it to make it a little extra? <laughs> I love it. That is so awesome. Um, so I know that we're nearing the end and I see the lightning hitting right now. <laughs> I did see that. Um, so, so to end this out, what would you say to people that apologize for doing things their way um, instead of doing what other people advise them? I mean, I think everybody has to go through their own path to learn what works and doesn't work for them. I mean, I'm 35. I wish I knew what I knew, you know, that now at 25, I would have gotten way more done, et cetera. So everyone's got their own learning curve and, and whatnot. So I would say learning from those mistakes on your own is you're going to learn a lot more than uh, taking advice from me on how to take other people's advice. But I, I would just say, treat it like everything else. Like when you search for certain different things online or you uh, 
you read a book, you pick the things that you want to believe in and invest your time in. Um, and apologizing for not reading the book that somebody gave you, it's like, you've got other things to do. Like that's one conversation of one thing that happened for you. They don't know what's going on underneath the hood. They have no idea what's, you know, what kind of bandwidth you have. And you might, that might be the 11th book on your list. So you might not get to it for weeks, a month, a year. Like you don't owe it to them to uh, apologize for, for giving you good advice. Um, so I, the thing is too, if you're taking advice from somebody that either genuinely thinks you'll take it or genuinely wants to help you buy the advice, chances are they're going to rally behind you as a mentor or friend or a confidant that they're going to be okay with the fact that you didn't do it in the first place. So mm -hmm. it's a good weeding out tool if you don't take it um, and see what they do. And if they're, if they want to jump off, uh, you know, let them. I love it. Thank you so much for that. I appreciate everybody coming in and just having a conversation with us about why you're not sorry for doing things your way and taking your advice and doing things that you know that work for you. So thank you for your time. I greatly appreciate you. I hope you have a blessed day. Thank you. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of Unapologetically Bold, I'm Not Sorry For. If this touched you in any way, please like and subscribe and share with your friends as we continue the message of being unapologetically bold by being hot humans who are humble, open, and transparent. See you next time.